Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. That had an extra little flair today. I know. I don't feel good. So, you know, anything to keep myself. What's wrong? Peppy. COVID? No, just a cold. Um, what are we watching? We watched Crazy Stupid Love. It came out in 2011. It was written by Dan Fogelman. It has two directors, which is interesting to me. Um, Glenn Fakara and John Rika. Rika. Um, it stars Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Julianne Moore. I feel like I'm forgetting people. I mean, wait, you said Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling. Uh, oh, Marissa Tomei. Steve Carell, Julianne Moore. Uh, Groban. Uh, oh, Josh star Groban. Star turn by Josh Groban. Just a random... The guy who plays the Zodiac killer in um, Zodiac. The guy they, that movie concludes is the Zodiac killer. The, is that the dad of the babysitter? Yes. Got it. Don't know his real name. He's, that, he's that guy in things. Yeah. He's the Zodiac killer. Joy King. I literally was like, is that Joey She doesn't King? have a name. They keep calling her cutie. No one ever calls her a real name. They just keep being like, bye cutie. Hi cutie. Like her presence Molly. unimportant. You, she doesn't talk. That. You like did she not know barely. That. No, yeah. I have the cast in front of me. Her name is Molly in the cast. Okay. I didn't know that. I do now that she I say says that. She like, like, at some point somebody calls her Molly. Nobody calls Emma Stone Hannah. No one in Emma Stone's family calls her character name Hannah, but that's so we hide the twist that she's a part of this family. Spoiler alert. You're listening to the podcast. I don't know why. We... Also, we did. We are not casting Julianne Moore and Emma Stone in the same movie and not having them be related. Stop trying to pull the wool over my eyes, Dan Fogelman. I know what you're doing, but in order to hide that ball, they keep referring to her as Nana, and so the, there's like the only time that little girl talks when she's like, "Bye, Nana," and Emma Stone's like, "Bye, cutie." She doesn't have any. Right. Um. The third act twist of this movie is that Emma Stone is Steve Carell and Julianne Moore's daughter, which I don't remember if we figured that out, but I think we figured that out the first time we watched this. I think I had an inkling, yes. Carrie, what were your predictions? You love this movie. I do love this movie. I it was in your top tens. Hold on. What? This is us. Is Dan Fogelman not the creator of Parenthood? I don't believe so. I think the creator of Parenthood is Jason Cadams, who's the Friday Night Lights guy. Okay. Dan Fogelman may have been a writer on Parenthood, but don't quote me on that. Dan Fogelman is the creator of This Is Us. He wrote this movie. He wrote Tangled and probably many other things I'm forgetting. He wrote Cars. I'm on his IMDb. That's why I was like, I really, for some reason, I got it in my head <clears throat> that he wrote, that he was, the I, for some reason, I had thought the creator of Parenthood and This Is Us were the same. I think he but was a, not. I think he was a writer on parenthood, but again, that makes sense. Don't, quote, uh, don't quote me. He uh, created pitch, which was a short lived, but beloved TV show. People like were obsessed with pitch. He's an unbelievably wealthy man. Um, he has uh fuck you money. Um, but I am proud to report, um, that I do my insider information on him because I had a friend that worked on this as us for a long time is that he's quite a lovely man. Um, well, he knows how does, to write and does kind things with his fucking money. Um, he certainly knows how to write. I, I think that one of the things that works so well about this movie, even in its more problematic moments, are the writing. 
this is a really well-written movie. It's also beautifully acted by everybody involved. Not quite the cast. Even Joe. Is Joey King the kissing booth girl? Yeah. She's like a grown-up now. Yeah. She's got some other new, like, Nicholas Sparks X movie coming out. Oh, yeah. Like, Bravo keeps showing ads about it. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want to. It's yeah. like a guy dies. I don't want like, yeah. to get out of here. The in-between. That's what it's called, where he's like, he's, he hasn't crossed over. He's trying to reach out to her. Right. Yes, yes. Sure, Wild sure. also that this movie came out so long ago that that little girl is now an adult. That's why I was like, who's that little girl? Because this movie doesn't uh, seem like it came out that long ago, but also we're just fucking did. old. Yeah. There's that. 2011, the year I graduated college. Yeah. You and I saw it in theaters. I had a meltdown while you were getting, while you were to the bathroom. True. No, I was True. laughing. The day Karen and I saw this movie was the day of a friend of mine's funeral, which is why I have a negative connotation to this movie. I always think I don't like it. And then I watch it and I do. And I think the reason I remember not liking it is because I was very, very sad the day we watched it. Um, so basically, like, we went to work that day. Then Carrie picked me up and we drove to Geneva or somewhere to go to my 23-year-old friend's funeral. And then we drove back to Chicago. I, I, I know I drove you. And then on the way back, you were like, you're not driving a car. You're hysterically crying, which was accurate. So you drove us back to your apartment. We put on sweatpants and we went to see this movie. Um, and I think it was a very nice, good move that you were like, let's go see something. Let's go see like a fun, happy rom-com. And we hadn't eaten all day, I think, because we like left straight from our jobs. <laughs> yeah. And also we were 22 and 20 five at this time so our jobs weren't good like we left straight from our like shitty jobs that were terrible and uh so we hadn't eaten so we got all the movie theater food we had to offer there was popcorn I think there was a I, I believe there was a pretzel involved I think individual pizzas I we got all the food there had to have been nachos involved there was definitely an artificial cheese somewhere <laughs> maybe yes. pretzel maybe nachos and then we sit down and you uh went to the bathroom and some, I think it was the inconsiderate cell phone guy commercial. We're really throwing it back to 2011 came on and I, in my heightened state of emotion could not control my laughter. One, I do think that was a funny commercial Two, I do think I was in a horrible emotional place and was hysterically laughing in a quiet theater to this commercial surrounded by enough food for six people alone. And I'm sure I looked fucking <laughs> crazy. That's I think amazing. I texted you and I was like, I need you to come back here. People are staring <laughs> That's amazing. You did. And then we went to this movie. Yes. Um, so my predictions for this movie were that I would love it because it's on my like top rom-com. You had it on your list. top list. I knew that it had some problematic moments because because it's my favorite. I watch it fairly frequently. I knew it had some problematic moments. Plus people have talked about some of the more problematic moments. We'll get into that. I can't um, think of that many there's only like hinted at pedophilia you know right um but Which overall even this morning, I, I was still... like is it that bad and Anne was like if you switch <clears throat> genders else and I was like you're right it's bad okay fine yeah yeah it's not great um honestly though I mean okay we'll get into it but anyway overall I still love this movie I don't feel good I have a lot going on it's been a really long week I watched this this morning and felt at peace 
The last time I watched this was last year on my birthday when I had the stomach flu from your children and I just like curled up. And I think it was like in the stage of stomach flu when the active sickness was over and when you just feel like you've been hit by a truck and I could only lay in one position. Um, It had to be because you were gone and you were there for my active sickness part of it because everyone in our family had the stomach flu. Let's stop saying the phrase active sickness. I'm trying not to say when I was growing up everywhere. Anyway, I just like curled up in the bed that you're sitting in now and watched Crazy Stupid Love. And it is a good sick day movie. Carrie, what's a perfect sick day movie? Give us the plot. Okay, so the plot of this movie is it opens with Steve Carell and Julianne Moore at dinner. And she's Julianne Moore, so she's fucking beautiful always. Steve Carell is you know, schlubbed up. Very dumpy wig. He's wearing a dumpy wig. wig He's in clothes that are too big for him. He's wearing like new balance sneakers to a nice dinner out with his wife. And she asks for a divorce. And then on the way home, she confesses to him that she has slept with another man. Because Kevin Bacon's also in this movie. Kevin Bacon makes an appearance in this movie. Yes. Um, So he moves out he's a sad sack of a human being um who i mean they've been married it's said they've been married for 25 years they have children they have like it's they have two implied- children that we meet and emma stone spoiler alert right um so he starts like hanging out at this bar where ryan gosling hangs out ryan gosling is one of the a most pickup attractive- artist yes oh yes but- also one of the most attractive people ever so Ryan Gosling is like this womanizer. He is a pickup artist, but not one of the things I did catch this time around. And I did appreciate is like, he doesn't do the whole like negging thing that pickup artists do, except in one scene, he does do it, which is annoying. What um, scene? He tells a woman she's boring or her story is boring or something like that. But like when he tries to pick up Emma Stone, he doesn't do the thing. So like one of the classic pickup artist moves is that you like pay attention to the other woman and like insult the woman that you're interested in to like get her interested in you. He doesn't do that. He's like equally attentive to both of them. He compliments both of them. So I did appreciate that. I mean, he's clearly like, you know, got lines, got, he's not, not to be trusted. If I were a woman talking to this man, if I were a single woman and Ryan Goss, like a man came up to like, I'm not, I don't think I would think like this man wants to date me long-term, but I'd be like, yeah, I could sleep with him for a night. He's yeah. so, it works because he's Ryan fucking Gosling and he looks the way he looks. I also like, this is never discussed really. It's never explicit, but I get the sense that like, it's not like he's hiding the ball from any of these women. Yeah. I, he doesn't correct me if I'm wrong, really lie to them all that much. No, he's not convincing any of these women that like, he's not like, it's not like a, I'm trying to like, um, Neil Patrick Harris's character, Barney, Barney in How I Met Your Mother, where he like creates some elaborative narrative, to like he's not lying to, bed. Do, to trick Gosling, women to bed. What he wants is pretty clear. He wants to sleep with a bunch of hot women. So I don't know that like, I don't know that in like, is if we're being critical of that, are we just slut shaming him? Like why yeah. no, I is don't that think- not okay? I think that as long as as long as there's informed consent and everyone's on the same page like yeah. 
I don't have a problem with it. I understand why Steve Carell then has a problem with him dating his daughter. I get like some of that, but I don't think that there's anything inherently bad or problematic about what Ryan Gosling is doing with these women. Correct. Okay. So anyway, so Ryan Gosling sort of takes pity on Steve Carell. We find out later that um, he reminds him of his dad who has passed away. And so he wants to, um, so he like kind of helps Steve Carell find himself. Um, and and, get hot. Yes. Get hot. Right. And pick up hot women. Um, meanwhile, there's some other parallel stories going on. We know we have uh, Ryan Gosling at one point tries to pick up Emma Stone in this bar. We then get her side, her side story where she's we then taking follow the Emma Stone and no one knows why until right. it's clear that she's part of this family. Um, Steve Carell and Julianne Moore's like 13 year old son is in love with the babysitter who is in love with Steve Carell. So we have that kind of like weird love triangle thing happening where children have crushes on older people. A love line, Carrie, because Steve Carell, thank God, is not making the curve of that triangle at all. No, Steve Carell is not, is not aware that he's, he knows that his son has a crush on somebody, but he doesn't know who any of them know that the babysitters who the son has the crush on or that the babysitter has a thing for him. And yes, part of this movie saving grace is he shows absolutely no interest in the babysitter whose name I'm completely forgetting. Not sure it's important beyond Jessica. He shows absolutely no interest in Jessica beyond. Thank you for, can you work on these days? Here is money. Thank you for your time. Like it is, 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 they never ever get into anything untoward with Steve I mean, towards the babysitter. No, no, no. Right. Yes. That is the saving grace of this movie. Because um, the babysitter to the kid? A little bit. Right. We'll get there. Yeah. Allison, what were your feelings about this? I mean, you kind of already said you d- realize you do really like this movie. Yeah. I always remember that I don't like it and then I do like it. Um, I think it's a very, very well, like you said, it's a very well written movie. It's very well structured. It's long. It is long. Um, I think we're trying to do a lot of things and we're doing a lot of them very successfully, but it makes for a longer rom-com. I also like, I very much respect Dan Fogelman as a writer. I think he is as talented as everyone says, but This Is Us has never been like something that I personally, like I can see what's so good about it, but it's just not for me. Um, So this, that, like, I think that's maybe just like that style of it is what's preventing me from like truly loving this movie the way people truly love this movie but that being said like tangled is my favorite of the recent disney movies and that's dan fogelman so who knows right i mean i do think that he writes i mean he's he is has sort of like set the bar for family Yes. Writing family dynamics. He writes family dynamics incredibly well. And family um, conversation. That scene, I mean, maybe we, are, where are we getting there? Are we just jumping right in? The scene go. where everything is sort of like everything comes to a head. And he's like, he's the two younger kids are helping Steve Carell like set up the backyard to win Julian Moore back. And then Ryan, Emma Stone shows up. We realize she's their older daughter they had when they were teenagers. Brian Gosling shows up he realizes she's dating his daughter. Emma Stone realizes they know each other. The neighbor dad shows up because he's found naked pictures. The teenage girl has taken for Steve Carell, although not, although, not at his request and not that were ever delivered to him. And then she, so he's chasing Steve Carell. Steve Carell's chasing, or she's, 
he's chasing Steve Carell. The babysitter is chasing her, her dad. dad. Um, and then Kevin Bacon shows up, says his name. Ryan Gosling realizes he's uh, David Linha- David Linhagen. <laughs> yeah. And then beats him up on behalf of Steve Carell. And basically all four men end up in a fight. And it is... The, so there are so many storylines happening in this movie. And in one scene, we are connecting all of them in a very funny, very like dialogue heavy, well-written way. Like it, it all pays off in a yes. really perfect way. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of scenes like the, the scene in the beginning of the movie where Julian Moore and Steve Carell get home from dinner, where she's announced she's slept with somebody else and she wants to get a divorce um they they are they walk in and are you know relieving the babysitter paying the babysitter and there's like parallel conversations going on um and it's again very funny very genuine and very well executed um by the actors um you know i just think that and then obviously like in the scenes where you have Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling interacting, the dialogue is very funny. The two of them are both very funny actors. Their chemistry, I think part of what works so well about this movie is that in addition to the script, it's beautifully acted and the chemistry between the various people is per- perfect. Like um, Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling play off of each other quite well um you know I don't know that we always think of Ryan Gosling as a as a comedic actor but he is incredibly annoying I said that while watching this I was like he shouldn't be allowed to be funny no you shouldn't be allowed to look like that and also be like a good dramatic actor it it mm, I was gonna say it almost challenges my core belief is that Steve Carell can do anything our most lauded actors can do but the most lauded actors like our most like lauded dramatic actors do, but they can't do everything Steve Carell can do. Now, I don't think Ryan Gosling can do comedy the way Steve Carell. I don't think there's very many people on this earth that could do comedy the way Steve Carell can do comedy, but he is very funny with what he's given. Yes. Um, and he has good timing. Ryan Gosling is just a good actor. Yes. He is a fantastic actor. He's just a very good actor. I do think Steve Carell is among the best we have I think at the end of Steve Carell's career we will look at him the way we looked at Robin Williams yeah no I completely agree with that I mean the other thing is there's a reason that Ryan Gosling and and Emma Stone keep getting cast opposite each other they are fantastic together there's we do not have to watch La La Land do we no no and I I'm not a La La Land fan I I didn't love that movie but you can't deny that these two people play off of each other incredibly well i saw that movie like the week mom got diagnosed with cancer and she and i were like we got to go do something fun and dad had the car or something so she and i took an uber to the movies we saw la la land because i thought it would be joyful at the end of it i was like i'm sorry that was terrible (laughs) sorry i took (laughs) you to see that bad fucking movie i do not have a good track record with cancer related tragedies (laughs) and brian gosling emma stone romps Maybe, maybe it's, the, maybe they're bad luck for you. When they, the next time together. they make a movie, I will not see you it. You can't see it. Can't see it. I like um, them together too. It's just that like both times I've gone to see their movies in theaters, it was on the heels of a cancer related tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hadn't realized this, but I was 
like Googling things about this movie, the scene where essentially where they fall in love when they're at Ryan Gosling's home and they, you know, we're going to hook up and then they don't because they end up just talking. Um, a lot of that was improvised between the two of them. You can tell she's also very funny. Like, I think, I don't know that we ever forget that Emma Stone is funny, but I think it, it does us well to remember that Emma Stone hit it big with super bad and easy a, which are incredibly funny comedies. Yeah. And that she is very, I think she's a good actor, but she's her, like when she's doing the best is when she's being funny. What movie did we just watch? Where, oh, it was like ghosts of girlfriends. Yes. That piece of shit where we were like, why don't we let Emma Stone be funny more often? Um, I mean, I do. We do. I just think she's now at that point of her career where it's like, and now you're a series. Like, I think we, take people who are funny in their early careers and then convince them that in order to be taken seriously, they have to do dramatic roles, which like she's perfectly good at, but why don't we just let Emma Stone be funny and have that and then respect her as much as she deserves? Like, why don't we look at comedic acting as, as impressive, if not more so than any dramatic acting? Yeah. Um, so I believe that was fully improvised. I also just love, like, I think in movies where you're having people fall in love very quickly, although this one, there is like, this movie takes place over a year. So by the time he's meeting her family and by the time he tells Steve Carell that he's in love with her, you can conceive of, you can conceive that they've been dating for at least a few months. So it's maybe not a sped up timeline, but the way people fall in love, as we've discussed many times, is by having conversations, a lot of conversations yeah. over a period of time. And I think it's hard to do in rom-coms because you have to get two people falling in love in theoretically under two hours in this movie in two and a half hours. Um, and that's hard to do. And the movies that achieve it are the ones we tend to really like. I just rewatched while you were sleeping because, you know, three times a year. And that is a very sped up timeline that those two people fall in love. That movie takes place over one week and they do it believably because they have a lot of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that that Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone scene where they end up just talking all night does like a lot of that good work. Well, and I think we've seen like lesser versions of that where they do sleep together and we're still supposed to, but there we don't get the dialogue piece and so, but we're still supposed to buy that now they're in love after you know one night of sex and i appreciate i think again what works about this movie is that fogelman understands human dynamics really really well and he knows how to translate that to film and television and so instead of suspending belief or asking your audience to suspend belief and just believe that these two people have fallen in love after one night of sleeping together as we do in many 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 rom-coms he gives his audience what they need to get there and to buy that these two people are in love with each other and well and to get us to care about ryan gosling is more than just like a womanizer and that we get his whole 
<laughs> one point says like, I'm very unhappy and I'm trying to buy it, which like, bro, same. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just trying I to soak you. up that serotonin any way I can. <gasps> if only I just don't have the budget that this character does. So he's like at Brookstone and buying things on the shopping network. And I'm just like in Target buying sweaters, hoping it will make me feel any semblance of joy. <laughs> right. Um, but he, we hear about why he is the way he is and losing his dad and having a vain mother and yada, da da da. Um, and Emma Stone, who has entered this situation after having broken up with her super obnoxious boyfriend, Josh Groban, who's like, I just want to have sex with a Hawkeye from the bar. Like, it's a good, like the fact that they don't have sex is not because that's not going to be a part of their relationship, but because we're going to have them fall in love. And so that's not what this part of the story necessitates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I realized that one of the things I really like about this movie is I was sort of like more closely watching it this time around is I really like that the Julianne Moore character is not the villain, mm-hmm. you know, like she is a fully formed human being. Um, we get lots of scenes where we realize like, she's a very good mom. She loves her kids. She even loves her husband. It's just that they got married young and they've been together for 25 years. And I think in the end, it, the, he sort of got complacent. Um, yeah. Maybe her cheating she did on, too. And her cheating on him while not, you know, brushed off as nothing. And she feels very bad about it, but you, you understand how they maybe got to that place. Right. And very quickly we set that up as, as sort of a shitty thing she did, but not indicative of a shitty person. Right. I, I also hard- love, Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think it's hard to do when you have a when you're the first your introduction to the woman who is your leading lady. I mean, I guess she and Emma Stone sort of we have two primary couples, and she's one of them. So your leading your introduction to your leading lady is her being like, "I cheated on you, man. You're going to want me to end up with by the end of this movie, right?" Because then the movie is or Steve Carell finding himself and her rediscovering what was in, what was good about her marriage and what's important about her marriage. And we see her try and date Kevin Bacon and she can't, she just, right. he's not. And Kevin Bacon is not even really a villain. Like, no, he's not much like he's not as fully fleshed out as anyone else, but, but it, he's just sort of a nice guy who's in love with her, who unfortunately he's not the person for her. Right. He's going to go back to TikTok and cut up Kira Cedric's and bananas. It's my favorite um, TikTok channel. God bless. I like between like Mandy Patinkin and his wife and like Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick TikTok talk. Like, I, I mean, I told Ben that I was relationships. I love them. I told I was like, Kevin Bacon has a whole TikTok where he just cuts up bananas for Kira Sedgwick while she's sleeping. And he was like, I don't understand the Internet. And I was like, that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> it's Kevin Bacon cutting up bananas. It's Brings amazing. Joy. I don't know what to tell you. I love it. Um, and he has to be quiet. Cause he can't wake her up. Like, I'm sure they don't have a huge home. Like, right. How close is your bedroom to the kitchen? <laughs> right. Kevin give us a, Kevin, give us a tour of the home. All right. Circling back to crazy, stupid love. I like the Julian Moore character. I think, Oh, I know what I was going to say. I like the line. One of the things that like humanizes her. And I think again, like, I think the dialogue's doing a lot of work here. She, she says like, can women have, can women have midlife crises? Um, and I think that that, 
I think that's interesting. She says like, we never see women have midlife crises and she's right. Like it's always yeah. men with like younger women or a hot car or whatever. And it's like, it, there's, a, it just does a lot to really kind of humanize her and show you like where this character is at. Yeah. And they do a lot of like one, I think you're right about the chemistry. Like Julianne Moore and Steve Carell have very good chemistry. They're also like, and she's a phenomenal actor. She's one of our best, but they, as we sort of move through the year, and you know see them like become cordial to each other in their divorce we see him going over in the middle of the night and mowing and like caring for the lawn that's Um, my favorite thing so like I not to be that girl but like my love language is acts of service mm -hmm. and so when he comes over and is like doing the lawn so she doesn't have to worry about it that like just warms my little heart well, and then at one point she calls him while he's doing it and is just asking for, this is one of my favorite scenes where she asks like how to fix the pilot light. And she says she's in the basement and can't figure it out, but he can see her through a window. She's not in the basement. Like she just wanted to talk to him. And when you're yeah. getting divorced, you can't just call someone. I assume I'm, I'm not a divorcee. You can't just call someone and talk to them. So she has to sort of do that. And it's just a very, like, you understand why these two people love each other and work as a couple and then you want them to get back together because you know they they had been married a long time and they got complacent but that doesn't mean they can't get back to the good yeah this movie I also probably gave like, a lot of false hopes to kids of divorcing parents they were like that this is the parent um, trap of a different generation <laughs> the other thing I like is that it's not that you know like her issues with their marriage are not that like she gave up any dreams or that I mean we do know they got married really young but like she still has a career that we see um there's never any conversation of like she's given up some life she dreamed of or that she wants some kind of like big extravagant life like she it's not that it's just that she wants him to be a little more like engaged in the everyday, I think. And, or even in himself, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's kind of what like ultimately ends up happening. Um, She wants him to care for him. You know, I think there's something about like, when you care for yourself, you are a happier person. Right. And he's sort of lost caring about himself or, and therefore like her and like investing in himself or their marriage. And that I think would be tough. Yeah. To live with. Um, yeah. And so I think it's, again, I think like we've seen versions of this again, where she probably wouldn't be a very like fully fleshed out character where she wants something like different than what she has, which is not this, which I think is nice and also true to life and yeah it's just sort of like simple and honest right yeah now the moral of this movie is that if a woman turns you down you should keep going after her Mm -hmm. until you wear her down and that is what steve carell is teaching his son and i'm not sure that's what we want to be teaching our young men no that is the that is like one of the pieces i have an issue with and i i think part of it is that bad advice a it's bad advice um it doesn't teach consent but the other thing is that like in the steve carell 
Julianne Moore storyline, it works because Julianne Moore never, what she wants from Steve Carell is not for him to leave her alone. She wants him to be more engaged. She wants him to show her that he's still invested in her and still invested in their marriage. And so him realizing that giving up is not the right answer and that he should continue to try is the right thing for him to figure out there. But the parallel story of the kids crush on the babysitter, what she wants for him from him is to leave her alone. And she says explicitly to him, you're making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, And then he's learning or realizing that he shouldn't give up. And I think that that's where it doesn't work is mm-hmm. because the parallel doesn't the parallel is the not game. actually parallel. No, yeah. fellas, if a woman says, or people, if a right. person says, leave me alone, I don't want to be with you. You're making me uncomfortable. The response is to go, I respect that. Go by and then stop talking to them. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think the other, the other piece where that breaks down is that, so we have like this young boy in love with this teenage girl and this teenage girl in love with this grown man. And through the entire movie, the older person in each of those relationships, in the Steve Carl's case, like he's completely ignorant to her, to it in the two teenagers, the young teenager and the older teenager, she isn't you know she's not giving into it she's being completely appropriate she is responding appropriately until until the very end when she gives him these naked pictures of herself and that was a detail that was not needed that conclusion between the two of them where he apologizes for making her uncomfortable and she says and he says like I'll, you know, check back in with you in a few years when I'm older. And she says, okay, good plan. Like you could have left it at that and it would have been completely appropriate. No weirdness, no like, like weird groomy stuff. Um, and, it is weird and, and, and we also would have gotten like, a, you know, a kid apolo- realizing like, hey I'm sorry I'm taking accountability for the way I made you feel uncomfortable I would have been like a plus great love this and then we added that like one extra little detail where I was like nope now now you've Which lost is me a problematic in two ways because one it's a 17 year old giving a 13 year old naked pictures which is inappropriate and then Two, it's rewarding this idea that like the movie is saying like look he never gave up and he wins right. in the end like it's it's just oh and it would have been so easy it was so not needed it would have been so easy to just like put a bow on it it's literally the button on the end of the scene so like it's literally the joke at the end of the scene which i get it it's like kind of an earnest scene you want to end on a joke pick a different joke right because you undercut all this like sweet good work with this bad little moment I, other than that teeny tiny moment that's not needed, I can forgive all of the other issues in this movie. I can, I mean, I'll even forgive this because you know, I love this movie, but yeah, it's not, like, that's the one thing that kind of pulls me out of it. And I'm like, this was, this is, this is the moment I don't need that makes it feel icky. Yeah. Um, Marissa, uh, Academy Award winner Marissa Tomei is briefly in this movie. 
and is she is she's good. Uh, she's another one that like we forget she won her first academy award for being fucking hilarious and when we let her be only fucking- only academy award yeah maybe only academy award she's been nominated again i think but i rewatched that movie this week pitch when we perfect. let her be funny girl is funny well to be fair i don't think the reason she wasn't around for a lot of years was her fault so much as <clears throat> wine seats but so it's fun to see her and think she's very funny the scene in the school i think i don't remember if we were recording or not but you you mentioned the scene in the school where we start to see steve carell and julianne Moore reconnect and it seems like they kind of seem to be making their way back to each other and then they're confronted with marissa tomei who is their son's teacher who Steve Carell has slept with, not realizing that she's the teacher. And there's this confrontation between the three of them. Again, like three stellar actors, really great dialogue, very funny scene, very uncomfortable scene, a scene where Steve Carell looks not great um, and makes a lot of really questionable choices. Um no, we're letting our characters be like deeply flawed and also for- redeemable. Yes. I also, um, I, who is the actress that plays the babysitter's mom? I know I've seen her in things. She was, really- I feel like I didn't look up her name, but I feel like she was on all those like VH1 best week ever shows when we were teenagers. That we yeah. watched all the time. She's so funny. And I absolutely would be like that neighbor slash friend who's like, oh, we picked the right person in the divorce. Like you would be that person. Aren't you glad you would force your there's a very funny scene where the Zodiac killer has to go meet Steve Carell and be like, I can't be friends anymore. I because uh, my wife says we have to pick Julianne Moore aside. But here I got you cologne. You would make Jeff leave his friends. No, I wouldn't do that. I think that that is absurd. That scene is really funny, but kind of ridiculous. Um, but I do like how she's like very self-righteous about her choice. Anytime like there's some questionable moment with Steve. Beth Carell. Littleford. Wow. That's her name. Never heard that name before in my life. I mean, that won't like every time I see that woman, I'm like, sure, sure. I've seen her in things, but I feel like her face like is. Name. Yeah. I also another like very small part, but I think Emma Stone's best friend character is really funny and kind of a fantastic like rom-com best friend. Um, And that she's the only person of color. Well, that. (laughs) Um, But also she just keeps being like, sleep with the hot guy, like go sleep with the hot guy. Um, And she's like, Josh Groban sucks. (laughs) Yeah, like sleep with the hot guy. The scene where she calls her and is like the hot guy's at the bar and some guy hits on her and she's like, in what world? But she's just very funny. He doesn't even hit on her. He just like looks at her to go to start hitting her on. And she says, in what world? Right. I'm like, yeah, girl, um, know your worth. Hotties only. Um, there are a couple just like 2011 things that don't hold up time-wise that I always, that I really love. One, they meet outside of a Borders books. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um, the son tries to convince the babysitter they should date because Ashton and Demi Moore have an age difference. And it worked out so well for them. Yeah. So that doesn't hold up. Um, and sh- the the babysitter takes nude pictures of themselves with a Canon camera. Right. <laughs> like, Remember 2011 when we'd like go to parties fully with just like a digital camera around our wrist. Yeah. And then we'd make full Facebook albums that were titled like one inside joke from that party. Right. And they would be like just a series of ridiculous pictures. Like, God bless the mid-aughts. Um, there's a couple of outfits that Emma Stone wears where I'm just like, wow. I mean, the outfits, the side bang. Right. There's some belted outfits. 
Yeah. She has at one point like a like a cropped like bolero jacket thing happening. Shrug, Carrie. We called them shrugs in the yes. day. Yes. Oh, Steve Carell's sad divorce apartment. This looks like so. Oh, it sad. looks like every it's very sad carrie it looks like every apartment i had in la until the my current apartment it Fair. looks like like the point of how sad that apartment is i was like oh that's just what an affordable quote-unquote affordable apartment in la looks like i've lived in that complex yeah i really i think i mean i think the thing ultimately like the central relationship in this movie is steve Carell and ryan gosling and i think that they're both cast really well i mean corell swings effortlessly between the various like the frumpy to you know the more like pull together frumpy to hot you know he does the dad thing really well he he he's great and it's also sort of like the perfect ryan gosling role because he gets to be hot as fuck and then and he gets to be funny and aloof while then also like deeply earnest and vulnerable at times. But he also gets to lift someone dirty dancing right. style, um, which I do think would work on me. If a man was like, I can lift you like dirty dancing. I'd be like, cool. Great. Like, here's my yeah, vagina. That, yeah. I absolutely think that that move would work. Also, well, also then like the point of dirty dancing was that like it was also a lot of work for her. So the idea in this movie that like the woman doesn't need to be putting forth any work to it when the whole point of that scene is that like Jennifer Grey had to figure out how to do that lift is maybe are we forgetting that like two people it takes two people to do that lift right great point Allison great point um and then I love I love the final bar scene between Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling so Um, I think one of my favorite acting moments of this one of I think Ryan Gosling's best acting moments in this movie is when he is forced to tell Steve Carell that he's in love with Emma Stone that he's trying to be like, this isn't me just sleeping with your daughter. He says, I'm in love with her. I love her. And then he says, I was trying to make you more like me, but I ended up, and then he cannot speak it. And you see Ryan Gosling, like not be able to say, I ended up being more like you. Or like, I want to be more like you. Yes. And the like, it's very hard, I think, to act that thing of like not being able to have the words to like not being able to say something right and like and this like it's hard to act uncomfortableness with vulnerability in the way that ryan gosling does and as someone who's uncomfortable with vulnerability i was just like oh i get like i understand that feeling and he's acting it very well yes and And it is a very sweet scene so sweet and i just like i mean anybody who's watched a movie like knows that's what we're ultimately building to is like the person who tries to change one person ultimately ends up being changed right very classic movie trope we've all seen Um, movies we've all seen movies that's what we're doing here um but i just i it it, i love that in this movie i love you know i i (laughs) probably sound like a hypocrite because so often on this podcast I'm like I hate the trope of like we change the womanizer and the shitty man gets better um but But I think he never starts off so shit like he doesn't it's not this is not an as good as it gets situation this is not what did we just watch this is not a ghost of girlfriends past situation one we really he's a very well-written character so we understand why he is the way he is and we understand that although he's not doing great he is actively trying to to make himself happier now again i hope that this character gets therapy 
But we also never start him in a place that's so repugnant that we can't come back from it because all he's really doing is trying. He's a sad man who's trying to find happiness by buying things and sleeping with a lot of women and buying things hurts no one. And he's not sleeping with the women through lies or deception or coercion or assault. He's he's just having consensual sex with a lot of women. And that's not he might not be happy. He might be trying to fill a void, but that's not, it's not immoral to have a lot of consensual sex. Well, and the other thing that I think works for me and, and why I feel differently about that trope in this movie versus any of the other movies we've talked about where I say I'm completely over it is we're not relying on Emma Stone to change him. Correct. We never see like that he is changed by her love. He is changed by for her for her and his relationship with her but it's it's not not because like it's not on her it's not because she's issued some ultimatum it's not because she's left and he has to win her back it's none of that and ultimately the person who really changes him is another man who like through his relationship with Steve Carell and seeing a father who he seeing a man who reminds him of his own father and who is able to be there for his wife and be there for his children. And in a way that his own father wasn't, that is ultimately like what propels him and is the catalyst for him to do the work and get the realization. And so it's not like, again, we're not relying on the women around him to somehow make him a better man. And that's the piece that works for me. It's a story about two men who become better partners because of their relationship with each other they make each other better right they don't they don't the women are not doing the emotional labor of fixing these broken men the men are fixing themselves to be worthy of the women right and that is a much better message than you know the you make me want to be a better man. Fuck, that's a good line though. The like, as good as it gets, right. Helen Hunt makes this like bigoted piece of shit in any way worthwhile. Right. You're right. There was something else we watched really recently where I was like, eh, I'm over it. It wasn't, go- it wasn't Ghosts of Girlfriends Past? It was more recent than that. Hold on. I mean, Christmas wasn't that long ago. How many movies where we're me- women are changing? I mean, a lot. There's a lot of those. Groundhog Day. It was Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Which also I think we d- we discussed like is also mostly him driven. Oh, 50 First Dates, I think was maybe the other well, one. Well, you're right. I was like, we can't have watched that many since Christmas. <laughs> and it's like every episode we've done recently, it's like a woman changes a man. <laughs> right. Um, so you have this really shitty dude. Um, that's another one where he like sleeps with them through deception which is not what we're doing here and why this character works better for me than the Adam Sandler character in 51st States. There it is. Slightly better writing. Um, As a 51st States apologist, I will say Crazy Stupid Love is a much better written movie. Yeah, I mean, lots of things. Um, Man, we watched some bad movies this Christmas. Yeah. All right, I don't have anything else about this movie. I really love it. I do too. The next time I complain about it, remind me that I like it, but also remind me that it's two and a half hours long. It is long. At one point I, cause I watched it this morning and I forget 
I had like a phone, you know, it's a work day. I had to do something. And I looked at how much was left and I was like, wait, really? But, but, and again, I feel like a hypocrite because I'm always the person on this podcast. That's like, I need a tight 90 minutes, folks. I mean, all rules. But I don't mind it here. Also, like, first of all, like we will change our minds about rules every other week. Like I'm never, I'm not, don't hold me to fucking anything I say ever. But also I think it's the difference of like, how are you using that time? Right. Are, are there things that we could have gotten rid of? Like, is the, is that real estate used? Well, is every scene important? Is every scene funny? Is every scene moving the story along? And for most of this movie, the answer is yes. Yeah. Like the problem is that we just have multiple storylines going on that, and we want them all flushed out. So you're getting a little bit more time. And it's not like some other movies starring Steve Carell we've watched that come in over two and a half hours that maybe only needed to be under two. And I say that as someone who loves that movie and loves all schmudge schmappatow movies. (laughs) But there is fat to be trimmed there and there's not really that much fat to be trimmed here. Yeah, I agree. Um. So I think we forgive the two and a half hours because we are enjoying ourselves for those two and a half hours and not thinking like, huh, you never think like, huh, we've been sitting here for a while. Yeah, I agree. Yep. That's all I've got. I love crazy, stupid love. Apparently. Why? All right, Allison, what are we watching next? Well, Carrie, we had our patrons uh, vote on what we wanted to watch next. So if you join our Patreon, you can decide what we watch on any given time so the next episode we're watching are you ready are you ready for the results of the poll it's a j-lo week baby we're watching made in manhattan oh wow the uh, arguably the worst of the three movies we proposed like yeah like definitely not the the best all right what are your predictions for made in manhattan what do i think do i think the movie about the republican who um picks up a Hispanic maid uh, to help him win an election will hold up in the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it's going to work, Carrie. Do I think I'm still going to enjoy it? I honestly don't remember if I enjoy this one because I get it. I It came out around the same time as The Wedding Planner. And so it's hard for me to differentiate between the two. And while The Wedding Planner is not a good movie, it is a movie I enjoy. I've never loved Made in Manhattan. I think it's fine, but it's never been one of my favorites of that time period. It's never been one of my favorite JLo's. Speaking of JLo, what's our next Patreon episode? Marry me. I honestly, quite honestly, I predict, maybe this prediction will not age well. I predict I will enjoy Marry Me more than I will enjoy Made in Manhattan. I've already watched Marry Me. (laughs) It's, I mean, we'll talk about it absurd all right so that's my prediction is i will enjoy marry me more than i will enjoy made in manhattan join our patron patreon so that you can be a privy to our marry me conversation join us in two weeks for made in manhattan allison where can people find us you can find us on instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and twitter on hold underscore up underscore podcast carrie is going to put those links and the link to our Patreon in the show notes. 
And you can rate and review and subscribe. You can tell us movies you want to see on our Instagram. We have people vote for it. Like we had people vote for the Patreon this week. And then on the Patreon, we have people vote for the main episode. You know, we're changing it up. Um, so yeah, it's fun. We have fun. We're, we have fun on the internet. Bye. Bye. <laughs>